Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Hey, what's up? Welcome in. Monday episode GC Live. Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark. Plenty new to talk about, but first going to tell you about our friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933 is how you can call Clint if you are in the market for a new home or if you want to be a first-time homeowner and just want for somebody to walk you through that process, Clint is your guy. Again, 803-771-6933, clinthammond.com. Office is right over there across from Dreer High School if you are ever in the area and just want to stop in. Clint will probably be sitting there either on the phone, working on a mortgage, or sitting on GamecockCentral.com on his computer, but don't tell his bosses. I told you that. Uh, Chris Clark, man, um, it's been, I would say, a busy week across South Carolina athletics. I feel like we talked a ton about baseball and women's basketball on the takeover hour, which I have not seen come across yet, but... I will have on YouTube a little bit later this afternoon. So I I think probably the best way to do this today, rather than just repeat ourselves, if you want to hear what we have to say about baseball or women's basketball, check that out on YouTube or the podcast page a little bit later on. It will be posted. Today for this show, I think mostly we'll talk football, football recruiting. And let's just start with the latest news, man, that being Blake Frank's He's had many different dates, potentially. Maybe many <laughs> is a little bit extreme, but he's had multiple dates. We think this one is locked in. We think Blake Franks will be announcing later this week. Yeah, we think, Wes, uh, according to the information that we got today, uh, that it will be Friday, Friday afternoon. And I'm double-checking in real time uh, for us right here. And there is no official announcement from Blake Franks. I will say that because, uh, you know, in February when he had kind of behind the scenes, the original date set, he noted, hey, had a miscommunication. I'm not actually going to do it on the 20th. When I come up with a date, I'll post it on Twitter. He has not posted that yet, but the information that we're getting, Wes, is that there is a ceremony set for Friday afternoon. And uh, so, yeah, that could bring – to a close, a recruitment that's been really interesting to follow, right? A Greenville kid, upstate kid, um, South Carolina and Clemson both in on Blake Franks very early. This one's been going on for a while. And Clemson, Wes, was <clears throat> the longtime leader in this one to the extent that you and I publicly, privately, were kind of like, Blake Franks is probably going to go to Clemson. And, you know, it changed. It just South Carolina did a has done a really, really good job here. It's been really a whole staff effort. But really, when you think about the kind of team that they have recruiting offensive linemen, it's a really good one. You know, really experienced one. 
They've done a great job across the board. You look at what they did last year in the class of 2023. Look at what they've done so far in 2024. The proof's kind of in the pudding. And so, um, yeah, obviously a few more days to go. Um, if indeed this announcement time or date does hold, but South Carolina is in a good spot uh, to land yet another uh, pretty highly touted offensive lineman in this class. Yeah, and just um, to potentially kind of stick it to Clemson on the way to landing a, a really good player. On top of that, you already got Mazio Bennett from that high school. You know, Chris, we have not seen South Carolina having success at Greenville High School. And to sort of potentially close on him. And even, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today, Chris. Do you remember early in the Beamer era, Carolina was still getting in on guys. Like, they were getting some guys on campus. And when I say guys, I'm talking about, like, highly recruited, highly touted prospects. You're fighting off major programs with them. And even at the time, we said, look, it's probably going to take a couple years, really, to start to build those relationships. And you're not going to necessarily beat out teams where there's a one- or two-year relationship, in some cases a one- or two-year head start as far as your group goes. Well, you know, I, I think there was a little bit of an unknown at the time looking back as well. Several of these coaches, it was talked about when Beamer hired them. What's their background? Have they recruited in the SEC? How does that translate to SEC big boy recruiting battles? And we saw Carolina finish second or third with some guys early on in the Beamer era. I mean, let's go ahead and give credit, not to put the cart before the horse, but assuming this class continues the way we think it is, I mean, it's no secret. We projected Blake Franks to South Carolina. We projected Josiah Thompson to end up at South Carolina. Uh, I think Carolina should feel pretty good about those guys. But even so far, just the guys that are on the official public commit list, they have closed on prospects in this class. And as you just mentioned with Blake Franks, that would be a case of not only closing on a guy, but coming from behind. Then even weathering, I don't even think you call it a storm, but weathering sort of the response from Clemson, mm -hmm. weathering him pushing his kind of decision back a little bit, and now potentially getting the job done on Friday. Yeah, I mean, e each of these, if, you know, South Carolina is able to land those three guys, th there are so many storylines just individually and collectively about it, right? I think, so you look at Cam Pringle, who is in this class, not, say, officially, he's not signed or enrolled, right, but he is verbally committed with no signs of that changing. Um, you know, you get a guy who you got in on early and did have that long kind of runway, I guess you could call it, Wes, of being one of those guys that, you know, maybe if Cam Pringle's in the 2022 class, Shane Beamer's really his first kind of class where you actually had a little bit of time. Maybe it's a lot harder to land him because you haven't had time to get him on campus 300 times like he's been on campus. You haven't had that long time to build the relationships with multiple South Carolina coaches. But this is a guy who's a national level recruit, right? Um, and he's an in-state guy, which obviously he's important. Similar thing for Josiah Thompson. For Blake Franks, you know, he also has a really impressive offer list, but was even more of a head-to-head -head battle with Clemson, right? I think some of the out-of-state schools for Thompson and Pringle probably were a bigger factor than Clemson. This one, more of a head-to-head -head battle with Clemson. Um, individually, you can talk about all of them as players. Collectively, 
Now you can look at the fact that you would have three really good offensive line prospects in their own right who can do some different things, but you beat Clemson on all on all of them, and you beat others on all of them. So really kind of speaks to how South Carolina would be, you know, leveling up the recruitment um, under Shane Beamer. And it's really been, Wes, I mean, look back. The 2021 class that Beamer put together versus this one now, just in terms of the quality and they landed some really good players in the 21 class, obviously, but you know, just the quality of guys who you're beating, how early you're getting some of these commitments and how close knit this class has been so far really should be something that should excite Gamecock fans. I think. Well, probably the most close knit class I've probably ever seen, at least with this initial core nucleus of players that we've seen. And I'll tell you, I I wrote about this earlier today, technically late last night, posted it earlier this morning. But, Chris, I don't think Cam Pringle is quite getting the credit yet that he deserves because, I, from what I hear, man, he's right up there with, you look at a Pup Howard in the last cycle, you look at what Dante Reno has done in this current cycle, really since he committed all the way back, I guess that would have been 4th of July weekend last summer. And, you know, those guys sort of have set the table, set the stage for these these guys to kind of recruit other players to join them. But obviously, you know, we've talked about Mazio Bennett a little bit in that regard in the past as well. But everything I've sort of heard is that Cam Pringle has really, especially behind the scenes and just being on campus just all the time, basically, trying to get others to join them. As one person told me here recently, everybody knows Cam. Like, he's just one of those guys that has a way with connecting with people. He's obviously a big kid. He's got a big personality as well. People like him. But a lot of it, it's much much like assistant coaches. Chris, what do we talk about? You have to have a personality. But really, you just have to have a willingness to go do it. You have to to put in the man hours if you're going to be a successful recruiter. In many ways, that kind of extends into your commitments. Are they willing to just put the time into it? And Cam is a guy that that does that. And you really, as I'm thinking about it, I can't remember many O-line recruits that do this. You, know, you don't like see I, it a lot. You just don't see it. You see the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. obviously. Interestingly enough, if you look at the last – decade or so Carolina has had a couple of linebackers and Pup Howard I'll go back to Bryson Allen Williams when he was being recruited he was one of the best at recruiting others to join him in Columbia um I don't know maybe there's something there about kind of a a linebacker set the defense mentality or something that transitions over or maybe it's just a coincidence but either way Cam probably the best O-line recruiting kid that we've seen around here and from what I've heard, Chris, there are some skill guys that have even sort of taken notice to Carolina, what they're doing on paper. They see, wow, number number two offensive tackle in the country. They see them trending with Josiah, and they're like, okay, that might be a good situation for me. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that you, you can't discount, right? I mean, we get asked that all the time. Hey, will this help? receiver recruiting, running back recruiting, offensive line recruiting. And sometimes the answer is yes to that. You don't think about it as much from an offensive line standpoint, 
Uh, but we've seen South Carolina's social media team uh, really in an effort to appeal to recruits, including other offensive line recruits like Blake Franks and Josiah Thompson. Um, after Pringle committed, kind of putting together the wall of Carolina graphics and things like that. So certainly something that that the staff is going to use. Um, to go back to expand a little bit on another point, Wes, you mentioned earlier some of the questions about some of the less experienced coaches on Carolina's staff. I find it really interesting that, you know, Sterling Lucas, who had never recruited before, he had been on a college staff, but he was a, a grad assistant, a weight room guy at NC State before going to the NFL, he's been one of their best recruiters so far. Uh, Lonnie Teasley has obviously been a college coach at a smaller level, though. He's really obviously doing some really good things along the offensive line. I think continuity helps with that. He's already had relationships with all the guys that we're mentioning from his time as in his analyst role, but it hasn't proven too big for him. And I think when you look at Lucas and Teasley, it's a couple guys that check the exact boxes that you said. They put lots of effort into it, and they have really big, engaging personalities that really resonate with these kids. So it just goes to show you don't, you know, you don't really recruit on paper. We've seen some coaches in the past come to South Carolina, and they've had these great resumes, and they were legitimately great resumes at other places. And there's kind of an assumption, which I've fallen into in the past, they'll get to South Carolina and do the same thing. It's not always the case. Not always the case. And I think it also speaks to what Shane Beamer is doing in total with this program, with the on-field progress, the culture that he said. It shows that people are noticing that. So it certainly helps when offensive linemen are picking Carolina and they're mentioning Lonnie Teasley, but they're also mentioning the bigger picture. And I think for Shane Beamer and all these other, uh, you know, coaches, you've got to have that piece, the kind of the totality, the holistic approach when you're recruiting these guys. Yeah, certainly. And uh, by the way, so worth pointing out, I saw a couple of different questions or comments. Uh, one from Babes and Waves uh, that says, uh, we need RB1. Uh, one that said, uh, would Josiah possibly start this year if we can get him? Important to point out, any high school guys we're talking about right now are 2024 guys. So the only way, excuse me, the only way that anybody that we would be talking about would be helping this year would be if it's a portal guy. So, you know, any running back Carolina's able to land from this class, any offensive lineman, Josiah, Cam, Blake, whoever, they would all be potentially helping the 2024 team not this upcoming 2023 team. So, yeah, as far as RB1, certainly I think you can look for South Carolina to potentially um, hit the portal. And, you know, I, I think really the question, there was a question earlier. Um, let's go ahead and tag all these together there, Chris. Gamecock Chuck says, is there a running back we could possibly be targeting in the portal if need be? The thing about the portal right now is that, you know, it, it's virtually impossible to tell you who that could end up being is because there's a 99% chance that whoever Carolina lands from the portal in the spring, Chris, is not yet in the portal at this time. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, we're not going to have a great handle on the names until May 1st when the portal reopens. Um, Anderson, from what we've heard, man, has done some good things, as has to carry on Joiner. 
But really, I think we made this point before, but just to touch on it again, there's nothing that's going to happen this spring that will change the reality that South Carolina is going into the portal to find another running back May 1st. Um, and I think that there's several different layers of that. Number one, we don't really know because we don't know the names if it's going to be a starter level guy. If so, how good of a starter or more of a depth addition. And I don't think that changes South Carolina's approach either, unless you just feel like you would be almost throwing away a scholarship by bringing in a guy. If there's nobody in the portal that you can get that's attainable, that's better than what you have on the roster, probably walk-ons included, that's probably the only way, Wes, that they don't go out and get a guy in the portal. But they're going to be looking from the very start with the full intention of taking a guy. And that's even if they come out of spring saying, man, Juju McDowell and on Joyner, Mario Anderson had really good springs, even better than we thought. If that's the staff's perspective, that's great. That's a plus. That's a positive. But they're still going to go into the portal to try to find another one of some variety come May 1st. Yeah, as they should. And I think so far there are signs as you look at being about a third of the way through spring practice there are signs that they probably do and should feel better than they did going in. To carry on, Joyner has had a great start to the spring, natural transition to the running back spot. I I mean, there there may be a case, there may end up being a reality there that that could actually be his best spot. Like, that would not surprise me if, if we exit spring saying that. Chris, you and I have kind of been reading the tea leaves. Hey, is this possible? Is this likely? I think the more he plays, the more we hear about him playing in practice, the more that becomes an increasing reality as a possibility. I, I think he's going to help this team quite a bit lining up as a running back. Uh, now, to your point, they need to continue to add guys. And, and I think Mario Anderson, you would probably – like. I feel like I've heard enough there uh, the way the way here for the people who haven't listened, I'll frame it like this, or we framed it like this. We said, look, Mario Anderson is going to, in all likelihood, be very much good enough to help this team. The question is, is Mario Anderson more of like, hey, this is the second or third guy, he helps but isn't a massive factor, or is it, hey, he's a starter, but even then you have layers to that. Is he a starter? where he's kind of a solid SEC back and he's just the best you have? Or <laughs> does he? Does a lot of what he did at Newberry, where he was frankly dominant, I thought, if they block well, you know, maybe a lot of that sort of transfers over to the SEC level. I would say we still haven't answered that question by any means, but I do think I would put – I think I've heard enough to put Mario Anderson in the kind of stock up category yeah and probably stock up for to carry on joiner and him right um and then we know you know some of the things that juju mcdowell can do in this offense and how he'll be used out of the backfield um but again we've said this before too juju mcdowell not a 25 carry inside zone type of running back but definitely has a place in this offense and i think an important place there are layers and levels to the starting running back question, right? South Carolina will have a starting running back. We know that. Um, we don't know 
you know, the quality, who, who that running back is going to be. We don't know the quality like in a game because um, even if take what we hear in, in spring practice, we may hear, let, let's say it's uh, let's say it's Mario Anderson just for the sake of his exercise. Yeah. Mario Anderson's had a really good spring. He's going to be the starter. Even then we'll take that as an encouraging sign and Gamecock fans will take that as an encouraging sign. Still going to be a question, right? When you get into the season, what does it actually look like? Um, now, if there's a guy that, for some reason, decides to enter the portal and South Carolina can land him, and let's say it's an established, you know, multi-year starter from some big Power 5 program, not saying that's likely, but if that happens, then that would probably change the equation, right? And now you're starting running back, assuming it's that unnamed transfer, uh, you probably take things to the next level, right? So, and and then your other guys on the roster are just depth additions, which would be good. We've seen so many seasons, Wes, here at South Carolina, where you know the third string running backs up. The fit what Brandon Wilds was what fifth string that year that he got his opportunity late in the season. So it's a position where you need some depth, and that's why we constantly say, hey, no matter how they feel about running back coming out of the spring, they got to find one right in the portal. Even when we talked to some people, Wes, the last several days, we've gotten good feedback about Anderson and gotten good feedback about Joyner, but it's always couched at the end. Now, (laughs) still got to go get a guy out of the portal. Yeah, absolutely have to. And, hey, you know, I I could see a scenario where Carolina does sort of develop enough kind of preseason hype for what this team might be a running back may see this as a perfect situation to be maybe the final element in what could be a really, really good offense. However, I don't know necessarily if it's fair to set that as the expectation for that to happen. Just because if you are, if you're a star running back, you're either jumping to the NFL already anyway, or You've gotten the ball enough that you're happy where you're at. Why would you leave where you're at if you're already a star running back? So finding a guy at that position in the portal doesn't necessarily seem like the easiest thing in the world. And if you're, frankly, if you're like, who would be the best example? Like Jameer Gibbs, um, you know, everybody knew this guy was going to be a stud, but he went to freaking Alabama. Like, all right, this is one of the top four (laughs) programs in the country every single year. So those guys and, are going to be hard to get. And and played for, I mean, let's not, no offense, Georgia Tech. I mean, played for a bad team. Yeah. He was a starter on a bad team. So, and, and maybe, hey, maybe if you're South Carolina, you find that. Maybe you find a guy who's really good player on a bad team or bad offensive fit or whatever it may be, and and you can grab him. But to your point, Wes, South Carolina – as as good as their as good of a job their staff has done, they probably are not going to be the only school that's like, hey, there's a really good player on a bad team. Let's try to go get that guy. Yeah, and if Bama's in it, makes it tough. Now they're they're going to have a great story to sell. Don't get me wrong, but I, I I try to remind people when they ask that question, Chris. Like I think some of this stuff gets covered so much these days that you almost look at it as like it's a movie or a TV show, like a soap opera or something almost. That's how people follow recruiting. 
and they want to know, like, who are the people to watch? Well, this is actual reality. So we won't know who they're targeting until it happens yet, until they're in the portal, until they're available. And we certainly will put that information out when that time gets here. Daniel throwing a tip at us. Appreciate that, Daniel. Um, How bad do we need help at edge? You know, that's a valid question. I feel like we talk about it every show, honestly. It's one of those things where if you put it into some perspective and context, probably more so than any other position on the team, I think, is the reality. Like, if, if you went into the spring, Chris, saying running back and edge, which I think we all – I think that's the consensus, i probably say, all right, I've heard enough feedback at running back where I think they're going to be okay there, especially if they add the right guy from the portal. Edge, I'm sitting there going, I may be looking to add two guys from the portal. <laughs> Absolutely. I, th- I think you need to. Um, you just – you don't have the numbers you need there. That's the first thing. Just just the sheer numbers, Wes. Um, drawing in the experience factor to that too. You know, uh, they need to get better there in terms of numbers, but need to get bigger in terms of impact as well. Um, there's a lot of things that you're banking on, to be quite frank. Number one is, you know, Jordan Strong. Uh, all indications are he's doing completely fine coming off the knee injury, but he is coming off a knee injury, and he's had more than one in his college career. So something to at least watch. Um, Desu Miyazulu is a really promising freshman who – has so many athletic tools, but he's a freshman, right? Then uh, you're counting on Dawkins, Tyreek Johnson, who's been around but hasn't made a huge impact. Guys like that. And so you got to add some numbers. You got to, at a minimum, add some depth. But West Edge is a position where you'd really like to go in the portal and get a starter level guy. I mean, to be to be quite frank. And unfortunately for South Carolina, um, they might they may have a really great outcome in the portal. We'll see. Time will tell. But edge is going to be another one of those spots. It's going to be a premium position, right? Look at um, look at the NFL. Quarterback and edge, premium positions. Out of the portal, quarterback, premium position. Um, edge is going to be the same thing. And um, they're going to have to go get, I think, one to two. And for the purpose of just kind of closing the loop of the question, go back to something that, again, we've said before, but bears repeating. Running back, still a still a concern. I feel like personally, Wes, you can hide that a little bit better schematically with what you do. Tough to hide out on the edge. If you can't rush the passer on third down with four, you're bringing extra guys. That's affecting your back end. If you can't set the edge in the run game, you're not going to be able to hide that. Um, so it makes it a lot more difficult, and I think that's why it's the biggest kind of need position on the team. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, there's a reason certain positions are premium positions, and it's kind of because, hey, it's, those guys are more rare. Those guys are more hard to find. If if you block well, if you have a good quarterback, if you have a good passing game, you can get by. We've seen Carolina get by with solid running backs, and you can find solid running backs. Like, no offense to anybody that's a solid running back. You're still way more talented than Chris and I at running the football, but you can be a solid SEC player with good guys around you. To your point, if that if the other team has forever to drop back and throw, 
then being great at linebacker, being great at corner, being great at every other position really doesn't mask that whatsoever. If anything, not having an edge guy or two that can get to the quarterback completely ruins your chances at other spots. So you you have to find a guy. And another thing we've repeated several times, Chris, there's no Cam Smith and no Darius Rush to allow you to say, well, we're just going to be a super heavy blitz team, bring extra guys, pressure that way. I don't think you're quite as comfortable if you're South Carolina staff doing that. Now, you're going to be able to do a couple things. Like somebody asked, do you slide Tonka out? I think that is that's viable on early downs. That's viable on running downs. Is it your ideal scenario? I say absolutely not, because now you're putting him really in a spot that's not – I don't think that's his natural position, actually, and I don't think South Carolina thinks it, it is. So you're lessening defensive tackle, where he, I believe, is their best player. And, you know, you're you're putting a guy who's a really good player but isn't just that big, natural, quick-stepped, elite edge rusher either. So – you, you can do some different things, but it's just really, at the end of the day, it, it's really hard to just mask that stuff, to your point, man. Um, Daniel's saying maybe run 3-3-5 instead of 4-2-5. You know, you, you can do some stuff like that, Daniel. I think they'll look into all options. At the same time, Chris, I even, no matter how you – stand them up no matter where you put your chess pieces ultimately so some of that semantics on just what you're calling a guy and how many mm-hmm. different things you're asking him to do don't you feel like there is some baseline of talent that has to be present where my guy has to be able to defeat that offensive tackle in a one-on-one pass rush situation and if he can't, it doesn't matter how much of a defensive savant I am. There's a certain – there's just a cutoff in what I'm going to be capable of as a defense or a defensive coordinator. Yeah, and Shane Beamer's talked a little bit about some formation changes that they've looked at. You know, Wes, we, we've talked about how last year we saw some five-man fronts from South Carolina in the run game against Arkansas that they had to go away from because they had a couple – significant injuries in that game we'll see i think in situations some five-man fronts some three-man fronts as daniel said i think that'll be in the playbook and we may see some of it but to your point wes i mean ultimately what you're going to be doing if you're saying let's run a three three five or a three four whatever you want to call it however you want to administer it the the biggest concentration on this team of talent on the front four let's just call it front four for this is it defensive tackle? That's where they have more dudes. And so what you're then doing is you're you would be maybe taking Tonka and sliding him outside, or you're taking, you know, TJ Sanders and sliding him into kind of a different role than maybe um he would be playing in in another formation. You still at the end of the day, to your point, Wes, have to have a guy who can line up on the edge or multiple guys that can line up on the edge and go rush the passer and um 
again, you can you can smoke and mirrors at some up front, but it's it's tough to do. It's tough to do. Um, I do think it's smart along those same lines. South Carolina recognizes that they do have more talent at this moment at defensive tackle, and they have some interesting body types. Tonka, TJ Sanders, they, they've got some guys, you know, Nick Barrett's kind of a nose tackle type. Finding some ways to accentuate their strengths and use them schematically, that's smart. But still, it does, no, none of that changes the fact, got to go out and find an edge rusher to not just for schematics, but to go do the job of rushing the passer. Yeah, and I, I will say a guy that I have not really talked up as far as expectations, but my opinion is changing a little bit on someone at the edge spot in that I do think there's a personal opinion. I think Brian Thomas Jr. is going to be able to give you a little bit in terms of situational pass rusher, probably yep. a little more than he did last year. Now, I still, you know, and I, I think if you, for example, if you're doing a three-three-five, in that case, a guy like Brian Thomas Jr. is actually probably now your third linebacker. Like, you're going to stand him up. You're going to try to take a – going to try to create a little bit of space like Chris mentioned one of your quote defensive tackle guys now becomes an end but they're not really an edge rusher they're more of a kind of keep up some like hold up some space take up some space allow those three linebackers to make plays and then you're going to rush a Brian Thomas Jr. but while giving him that created space between him and the defense or the offensive line like you would have if he was just having to line up as your true hand-in-the-dirt edge guy. Again, I don't want to put it on him that I think he can necessarily ready to be the starter and every-down guy, but I do think there's some burst there, Chris, which I think you're, you're going to need. So that goes back to having to get creative. Ideally, you're going to want to add some guys in the portal, but he's someone that I my, – my opinion on him is upticked a little bit as far as him having a role this year. I think that's a good take. You know, he he is not a guy ideally at this stage with this size that you're going to go say, hey, it, it's an ideal situation for you to play 70 snaps a game. You know, probably not. But um, he, he's an undersized guy, but he's got some burst. Um, he has some natural pass rushing ability. Actually, his size he can use um, in a positive way for leverage, kind of dipping under guys from a pass rush standpoint. And you kind of forget, I mean, his dad, Brian Thomas, whew, he was one heck of a pass rusher um, and, and has worked closely with his son. So I think I think there's something there. And, again, this is something we've said before too, Wes. You know, you need to come out of spring and feel better about this group overall. Similar to running back, doesn't change the fact that you got to go out and find some help. You do need to continue to develop what you got on your roster – Tyreek Johnson, an, an older head around this program, but is someone that has shown some flashes of, of being able to do some things. You need him and Thomas Jr. and Desumi Azulu to develop quickly and, and Dawkins. You need those guys to all take step forwards, especially in Jordan Strong's absence, so that you feel better about this picture exiting spring and then go see who you can add to pair with them um, through the portal. All right, so Chris, I know – you and I are going to be putting out some team notes in the next day or so. Um, 
But let's – all right, we're at the 35-minute mark. Numbers are holding strong. Let's reward the people for being loyal listeners and watchers if they've stuck around for this long. Let's throw them what could be considered Gamecock Central premium-style information. Let's let's give them one each. I already know who you're going to go, but I'm going to give you the pride and glory on this one because you uh-huh. predicted it before it happened. And then um, I'm going to give you one stock-up guy as well, just based on some things we're actually hearing, not necessarily all just an opinion. You know, I saw this guy, I saw this guy. Um, some stuff we've heard so far in camp. But first, Chris, I'm going to tell everybody about our friends at Liberty Tax. And it is tax time. So if you have not done your taxes yet, you are running out of time. 803-462-5576 is how you can hit up our friends at Liberty Tax. Uh, Whether you owe taxes or whether the government is going to owe you, it is time to get this knocked out. They are open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. They have multiple service options. You can start by hitting this Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal, or you can make an appointment, or you can just walk in. Uh, Give them a call. You can figure out how to upload your tax documents. So when you come in, you just get them ready, sign them, review them, good to go. Again, 803-462-5576. Again, it's tax time. I know it sucks. I know it's not fun, but why not get it handled by somebody who, first of all, is a Gamecock, and second of all, will help make the process easy for you. Chris, who are you hearing the most buzz about so far this camp? I feel honored to be able to go first. My uh, my pick is Nick Gargiulo, offensive line transfer from the Ivy League at Yale. West probably a more under-the-radar addition, unless Gamecock fans looked up his profile picture and were blown away by the presentation with the stash and the hair outstanding stuff but Nick Gargiulo plays you know an important position uh, potentially in center but has also worked at guard this spring and I, I've I've heard enough Wes I think Nick Gargiulo is a starter somewhere once the season kicks off um, he's already been working first team alongside Rashawn Lee he's been working at guard but he's repped at center I think he wins a job somewhere a lot of positive adjectives that have been thrown out to us. Smart, tough, leadership. Um, a lot of good things out there about Nick Gargiulo and uh, would be a really stabilizing force there because you remember South Carolina's lost three starting offensive linemen from last year's team. So whether it's at center, whether it's guard, wherever, um, I think he's going to be a key piece. This team's had a really good spring. Yeah, and I'll, I'll co-sign that for you, Chris. I think we probably talked to some of the same people there, but certainly sounds like he's off to a great start. And like you said, probably a little bit of an overlooked addition. But I, I think I think they must have just really liked what they saw from him on film. And when you are a captain, I, I know that Beamer hasn't mentioned this before. When you're a captain at Yale. This is not like, oh, you know, you're captain for a day or something, or there are four captains. They have one permanent captain. This guy was it. So that says a lot. And I I don't think he would have even left Yale. But you have to. You're not allowed to stay for a fifth year. So going to be a good opportunity for him. And it sounds like a great addition for South Carolina as well. Chris, personal opinion, 
I think he probably ends up being your starting center. Now, he has worked, it appears, quite a bit at left guard, like you said. I think ultimately that's probably Ja'Kai Moore's spot to lose. That would probably put Gargiulo at center. Trey Jones probably at right guard, though somebody could fight him for that spot. Then, of course, uh, Wanamaker and Jalen Nichols are your favorites at tackle. Too early to call it, but that feels like that would be your most likely five going into next year. Um, by the way, how did I magically transform from a football background to a baseball background when we came back from that commercial? Uh, I don't know. You uh, must have hit a wrong button. I, honestly, I didn't notice really until you said that, but it's a nice background though. It was is definitely that, football before, right? Yeah, it was. Is that our? Uh, is that the extra innings show background? Or no, not extra innings. What's it called? Foul balls. Foul balls. We have no shortage of uh, creative, 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 and punny names here. This is just gonna, DC Live, though. Well, we'll stick with the baseball for now. I mean, they deserve it. Yeah, uh, show some, show some love. No doubt about it. I think foul balls is tonight, um, but they probably it's normally at seven on Mondays, but that's during the women's game. So I don't know. Colin hasn't mentioned no. if they're gonna change that or not. By the way, I got a chance to see the Gavin Cassis signed cards today from Garnet Trust. Very nice. Very nice. Those are really nice. Um, and man, some some of them are one of ten. Pretty rare. Are we official authenticators at this point, Chris? We got to witness him. I did I did see sign Gavin signing some cards. So if you if you're among the folks that have ordered one, they're supposed to start shipping out tomorrow. But yes. there are still some available, Wes. Um, let's let's give those guys a shout out at Garnet Trust. Garnettrust.com. If you click on shop, you will see right there. I'm verifying, authenticating this too. You will see the Garnet Trust Moments Gavin Cassis card. It's got the uh, the Chef's Kiss from the Clemson series home run. Um, good stuff. They look they look really good. They turned out really good. So if you want one, you can go order one at GarnetTrust.com. That those are actually probably not those specifically, but the chance to have signed gear, signed you know football, basketball, baseball, now cards. Actually, probably my favorite aspect of NIL, one of my favorite aspects I agree. of it, because you didn't have this before. And I think I think that's something that's going to blow up, honestly. Once people – because I, I saw the pictures. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then once I held one today, I was like, people are going to love. If you're a Gamecock, like, super fan, you're going to love this. I, I think those are going to blow up as far as having availability from more and more guys. And – um the card business really blew up, I guess, a few years ago. It's slowed down a little bit compared to what it was, but um, I think fans will love those, man. Um, so somebody who maybe will need a card in the future on the football side, I'm debating between two guys mm-hmm. as far as stock up. One's a defensive player, one's an offensive player. Oh, boy. Since you went offense, um, I'm gonna go defense. Okay. And I'm by the way, I'm just gonna wait. This is a very like laid back show. I apologize if it sounds like 
sometimes I'm talking that I'm about to die. Um, I still have chest con- congestion from like four weeks ago. I have no idea how or why and why it won't go away. But if you see me make a crazy face too, that's why is that I'm trying to catch my freaking breath. But Chris, Zay McLeod oh. is someone that you and I talked about after practice one. And we were like, I mean, the kid looks the part, right? Like he no he does not look like your typical South Carolina freshman defensive tackle. He looks like an SEC dude. And the feedback we've heard there is that Zay has really just completely come in and focused and been outstanding off the field in terms of learning the playbook, learning what he needs to do trying to put himself in a position to play. That's not a position that we would have circled and said, oh, huge opportunity here for true freshman by any means. But not that he's arrived yet, but I I think we've heard enough enough at this point to think that he has carved out an opportunity for himself this season. And we talked about him, I think that was last week, and I kind of tried to downplay it a little bit, and I said, I don't want to create – unrealistic expectations here. But I think it's safe to say now, if we were doing one of those charts where we go like, hey, red shirt, doesn't red shirt, maybe when they signed him, I would have had him in the red shirt category. I would firmly have him in the finds a way to play some this year category and avoids a red shirt based on our latest feedback the last uh, few days. Yeah, and I, I honestly didn't anticipate feeling that way. Um, but as the feedback continues to come in, look, we knew the kid had immense physical tools. And to go back to a, a um, little anecdote that I gave recently, you know, watching him in summer camp when he was being recruited and one observer saying to us, he has no idea how good he can be, you know, because here you got this big, athletic kid but he just has a ways to go in 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 various ways and um you know the the physical talent Wes and the size the ability to move I don't think that stuff's been in question that's always been there um I think we were reminded of it at the spring practice that we got to see that first one that you were referencing like the first time we saw him on the field as a game you're going whoo you know he (laughs) it's a reminder of how good he looks physically but he's apparently had, like you said, that that really good spring. And so credit to him for, you know, getting that aspect, getting those aspects together and putting in that work. Credit to the South Carolina staff, you know, for being there to to guide him through all that. And it's it's kind of a beautiful thing when you see that potential starting to, you know, tick up or, or a player starting to meet that immense potential. And Xavier McLeod has a lot of it a lot of it for the future. And uh, I think it's already reshaped a little bit as far as body composition goes and just has been a a first in the door, last to leave type kid as well. And I think it's just already kind of matured a lot since he got to South Carolina. So, yeah, kudos to him. Long way to the season, but go ahead and circle Zay as a stock-up guy for this team. And, hey, you can never have too many defensive linemen that can help you. And that that even to kind of tie it into earlier and put a bow on this, 
it does let you feel a little bit better about if you have to slide Tonka out, if you have to do some different creative things, having yet another person there, even if it's taken, hey, you give us 10 snaps a game, then that that's helpful. That's uh, one more guy that you can count on there uh, potentially. So just something to keep an eye on. Let's see. All right, Chris, let's close out with a – let's finish with some recruiting talk as well. 2025 on 300 updated today. And there's a few guys in this top 10 that South Carolina is very heavily after. And I do want to hit on a question here from Greg, who said, um, do recruits lose rating points once they commit to South Carolina? Or do the pubs at on three um, have that BS heading in the right direction? Um, I personally feel like, especially at on three, that it is complete crap that people still think. Uh, not that Greg thinks this. I know he's just asking. When, like, one, I think one guy moved down in the position rankings because somebody else, like, jumped way up. And on one of our social posts, several people were, oh, you know, he moved down because he's committed to South Carolina. Talk about Michael Smith, I think. And I was like, he actually moved up in the overall rankings since he committed to South Carolina. And, you know, there was talk about, well, did Dylan Stewart move up because all of a sudden his RPM is pointed to Alabama? And I was like, well, actually, he already moved up to the number one prospect in the country on on three when his RPM still pointed to South Carolina. So, you know, I, I think with Charles Power, like I have seen no data whatsoever that points to guys moving back or moving down after committing to South Carolina. In fact, there's if, it, if there would be an accusation to Levy, it would be that he moves guys up too much after they commit to South Carolina. That's not the case either. He just looks at a player and says, this is where I think he's he's ranked. That's all it is. Um, yeah, look back at last class. Lenore Sellers had had him higher than any anyone else, and then he moved up even more after he committed to South Carolina. Um, Bakari Swain, same thing. Jalen Kilgore, same thing. Um, and there's a bunch of guys in this class that have moved up after they committed to or even West Bend leans to South Carolina. Josiah Thompson, for instance, is a huge one. He's been a South Carolina lean for a long time, and he shot up to what will be five-star five star territories, I think number 19 in the country for on three's individual rankings, which then go into their industry ranking, which is their average. So, yeah, definitely, definitely no data whatsoever in that regard. Um, Charles does – he does an outstanding job over there. We are Charles Power stands on this show. <laughs> That's right. Like we, I mean, we we bring him up a lot, but dude is incredible at that stuff. Um, uh, another Charles Power nugget, Wes, that I learned that, or I probably knew, but I'd forgotten. Only recruiting guy in the industry, or only recruiting rankings guy in the industry that had brought Bowers as a five star back in high school. Decent call, pretty good. Yeah, I would say. Pretty solid. Yep. 
I feel like he's had several of those, man, where he just he has he's went out, sort of went out on a limb a little bit, and ended up being right. All right, I got it pulled up now. So Bryce Underwood, quarterback from Michigan, not really a guy Carolina's involved with. He's the number one prospect in the country for 2025. So these are rising juniors in the latest updates. But number two, Chris, Elijah Griffin. That's a guy you and I have been talking about a little bit off air here lately. South Carolina, I think quietly feels like they've got a puncher's shot here. You know, I think the kid has had some really a really good visit to South Carolina in the past. His film, my goodness. If you are if you're recruiting if you're recruiting it, guy that follows this stuff, go watch some of Elijah Griffin's film. Kid is incredible. Right down there in Savannah, we talked about this when Michael Smith committed. Can Carolina develop a Savannah pipeline? This kid is special. Yep, he is. Sorry, I had a little stuck mute button there, Wes. Yeah, his, his film's incredible. And South Carolina got in very early. I think it'd be easy to look at him and say, oh, um, he's from Georgia. Georgia wants him. He's a five-star. He's going to Georgia, right? That that would be – and Georgia, no doubt, is and will be a big factor. But Columbia closer to Savannah than Athens. Not that either of them are far away particularly, uh, but a little bit closer. And this is just – it just could be, Wes, it's too early to say, this just could be – one of those signature guys for Shane Beamer's program. There, there've already been some of those like Nicholas Harbor is one, right? <clears throat> but with Griffin, if, if this is a guy that ends up, let's say he ends up being staying at number two in the country or number one, this is kind of a program defining type of guy where if you end up beating out George, I mean, Kirby smart's been by the school. Nick Saban's been by the school. They all want this kid. If you can end up beating out those programs for an out-of-state guy, again, that would be an eye-opener for sure, in addition to him being an outstanding player. So still early, um, but he likes South Carolina a lot and totally co-signed what you said there. They're, they're in the game. The change of direction for this kid, like to just – once he beats his man and gets into the backfield to, to sort of stick his foot in the ground – and close on the quarterback and finish plays is insane. Um, true five-star guy, I think. No question in my mind of that. You, do you think – I mean, I think we're we're safe saying Carolina's in, in the game, like very much in the oh, game. Right not, even, not even one of these like – you know, sometimes like, oh, they're in it, and it's like there's a top eight or something like that. <laughs> we're, we're well past that. Like yeah, they're not. They're not that. number seven on the top eight. Yeah, you know, do, you, do you think South Carolina leads? I think right now, yes, but I don't know that we. I don't want to say we don't make too much of that. That that is a big deal, and it indicates South Carolina is going to. I'd be very surprised if a few months go by, and we're just not hearing anything about South Carolina and Griffin. That would be pretty surprising. Um, doesn't mean they'll land him. Doesn't mean they won't slip to third or, or second or whatever, but I, I do think they got a shot. 
Maybe it ends up being like Nicholas Harbor, Wes. A guy you kind of get a lead for, and then you have to kind of weather the storm. You lose the lead maybe at times, depending. Um, so we'll see. It'll it'll be fascinating to watch, but this will be um this will be the next big time recruitment that we cover, I think it appears. Well, and, and Chris, unless unless it's just somebody who wants to be done with the process early, it feels like these sort of not not just hey, you're a four star, you're a true like top ten in the country or top twenty in the country, five star type guy. They they are marathons. Like I, I think um I think Dylan Stewart could be a similar thing. You know, like you said, you look at Harbor, Carolina was in a great spot. Then you had to withstand a push from several teams. I mean, you can even go back to like the Jordan Birch recruitment. Felt like South Carolina was well out front at one point from what I remember. Then there was a time when I feel like we stopped writing about him as much. Like it just seemed like he was going elsewhere. And then you hear, well, wait, the Gamecocks are actually not only in this thing, they may be the leader. So for a recruitment like this, there are going to be ups and downs, and it's far too early to know. But here's what I do know. You want to be in the game. If you're in the game, then you don't. You never know what can happen, and getting yep. in early is the key for South Carolina on a lot of these guys. And Chris, so – Another guy in this top 10, David Sanders. I did, by the way, you and I talked about this off air. I did confirm he did not make it in for his most recent scheduled visit. Working on getting another one scheduled with him, South Carolina is. We'll see if and when that happens. Both of these guys, depending on which service you use and depending on what time it's been, at some point, both David Sanders and Elijah Griffin have been considered the number one prospect in the country at various points in this process so far. Sanders, a guy we saw at O-line, D-line camp at South Carolina last year. You knew instantly looking at this guy. <laughs> yeah. Special traits. His Some of the best feet I have ever seen as far as ability to move at his size. Going to be another battle. Oh, yeah. But Gamecocks are in this thing. I, I don't think you can say they're the leader, but I, I think they're I think they're in the within the top three or four with David Sanders early on. Yeah, Clemson will be um it appears a pretty significant factor with him when they offer. Um they kind of have the offer policy and so they haven't officially offered, but it looks like they'll probably be in the game when they do. But he, he's gonna have a who's who. He'll have everybody in the country already after him, including South Carolina. And, um, you know, a guy out of Charlotte, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about South Carolina needing to take kind of a step forward in North Carolina. That's been a state that has not been as good to them lately, but they've, they've gotten in early on David Sanders, tremendous prospect and a guy that it looks like they do have a good shot with pretty early. Um, got to get him back on campus as much as possible. And like you said, Wes will have another opportunity to do that here sometime soon. Yeah, we're going to pop the film on here as we close this thing out. Um, special talent. And there was one other guy I wanted to highlight real quick, Chris. I feel like it was worth mentioning. Not a guy we've talked about or that fans are maybe familiar with, but this DJ Pickett kid, safety from Florida, was actually on South Carolina's campus. It's all run together. I guess that would have been last week, Chris? 
Yeah, I think it was last weekend or right okay. before the weekend. Yeah. Out of Florida. Um, you know anything else there? I, I mean, I don't really. But. Yeah. Um, didn't get a lot of really – it didn't get any juicy feedback on that one. That's another – you know, you mentioned it, his his ranking. He's another national-level prospect uh, that will be an absolute battle. But didn't didn't get a lot of detailed feedback. Not a big media guy. Like if, if you're looking for um, something directly from him, it's a little bit tougher to get um, because, he, I mean, he hit the radar so early. And to be quite frank, um, not a guy you hear from a whole, whole lot in terms of getting returns on recruiting visits and things like that. Um, but got him on campus. If you're South Carolina, I'm sure you're happy with that. And Torian Gray, as always, with a great story to sell. All right, y'all, I think we're about out of time, but appreciate you all, as always. Again, if you want to hear a little bit of baseball talk and a little bit of basketball talk, um, I'm going to post the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour as soon as we hop off here. and. We'll have complete coverage. Chris Wellbaum, as always, does a great job covering women's basketball. Complete coverage at 7 o'clock tonight. South Carolina taking on Maryland, trying to punch their ticket to another Final Four to possibly take on Iowa, a matchup that I think everybody is very curious to potentially watch next week. And, uh, Chris, if Caroline wins tonight, are you Final Four bound? Is that right? We are. We are. We are going to be watching. There will be potentially some travel booked at whatever point you feel like South Carolina could have the game in hand if they do indeed get it in hand. But we will be heading out to Dallas. So if any other Gamecocks are out there, if they win, still an if, let us know. We might see you there. At at what point, y'all can weigh in on the chat too, at what point do you feel comfortable booking like, is there a cutoff as far as got to be up by this many points? Yeah, I think there's there's a potential of like a halftime buy of tickets. Ooh, that would be that would have to be like gutsy. Yeah, yeah, that would have to be a big lead though. And honestly, I don't really anticipate that. I, I don't I don't think this is a twenty twenty five point game at the half. And yes, I'm saying that for motivation so that they can. Um, get it in hand a little bit earlier. I'm sure Dawn is playing this show to her team as they get ready. Do um do you book it with the extra, you know, the a lot insurance. of places like a lot of places now it'll be like you can book this at this price, but you can cancel it. No. Or you book it at the cheaper rate, but you can't cancel. No cancellations. We'll we'll just move it. Uh, move it then cancel. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. All right, y'all. That's it. Uh, Good luck to South Carolina women's basketball tonight. Uh, Enjoy the game to all the fans out there. South Carolina baseball back in action on Tuesday with the Citadel and then three-game SEC matchup. I believe that's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday this week at Mississippi State. So lots going on in Gamecock Nation. Lots going on in Gamecock Central. Go check it out, GamecockCentral.com. For Chris, I'm Wes. See you all soon.